Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about uh, control, which obviously I lost here in just a few moments. But thank you for coming back and uh, joining us. Thank you for being friendly. To all our visitors, we want to thank you for being here. And uh, for all of those that are on, uh, yes, let's give our visitors a good round of applause. Let me tell you this morning, if you are a visitor, you are not here by chance. Uh, You are here for a purpose, for a reason, and I believe God has a message for you. You know, uh, Brother Bob Meyer, when he was teaching us at at, uh, Abundant Life, always told us that you can at least get one thing out of every message. It's up to you to find that, that gem. So I believe that there's something in here for everybody this morning, and I want to talk to you again about control. The world we live in is filled with, obviously, a variety of people. And those people, some of those people never want to be responsible for anything. Some want minor responsibilities. But when it comes to the important decisions, they want someone else to step up. And some others want control. They want to be in charge. They want to make all the decisions. And sometimes if you oppose them, there can be trouble. The definition of control is to exercise power or authority over something. You know, Brother Cordell had mentioned that there are people traveling, and uh, my family's one of them. I know that spring break is coming up, and and many of you may be out of town. And uh, I normally drive on our vacations. Um, I have a real problem giving up control of the steering wheel to anybody else. It's just one of those things. I'd rather drive 17 hours myself than let somebody else drive for two. It's a control issue. I'm working on it. But there can only be one person in control at any one time. If you even take, for instance, obviously it's been in the news a lot lately, is planes. Planes have a pilot. The pilot is the one who is ultimately in control. You do have other people that have input, co-pilots, assistants, but they're just there to assist and manage their area. I've told my children on more than one occasion that the only person they can control is themselves. We may not be able to control the circumstances that we encounter, but we can control how we we respond to the situation. And when it comes to our lives, we have to determine who is the primary decision maker? I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12, if you have them with you. If you do not, it'll be on the projector. I do want to thank all of the people up in the booth today, Tucci, Brother Courtney, making, making me the microphone work and everything. And I know that uh, Sister Becky Regeth, I gave her a last-minute responsibility. Thank you for making that work. Um, Hopefully it works. We'll find out later. 
But uh, a lot of people put a lot of effort in, and I really appreciate it. Um, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Thank you, you can be seated. Some of you may think, well, you know, I want the important office. I want the decision-making offices. And I would show you how to make the right decision. Anybody like that? Yeah, there's a few of you. It's all right. There's an altar here. can work on that later. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20 says, But now there are many members... Yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. So if we are all important to the body and valuable members, as the Bible says, we should be able to understand that no matter who you are or where you come from, You are a valuable part of the body. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, he is in control, or he should be in control. It says that we're members of the body, but it's the body of Christ. So if he's in control, there's no reason for you to say to somebody else that they may not be as important as you are, or for somebody to say that to you, because he found value in you. I was talking with the gentleman the other day. Um, he doesn't go to this church. And uh, he started talking to me and, and uh, asked me, he said, you know, because I, I actually uh, dealt with him, gave him the, the title. I had sold my truck to him. And on the title, it said Abundant Life Church. And uh, he said, well, what do you do at Abundant Life? And I explained to him, you know, my position. And, and he said, oh, he said, you know, I've, I've heard that, that church was just real traditional. Are you guys real traditional over there? And I said, well, (laughs) kind of depends on what your idea of traditional is. But I told him, I said, you know, I don't see us as very traditional. Um, I did tell him, I said, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, that may have been something that was associated with us. But I said, I don't think that you would say that we're traditional. He's like, well, you, you know, you're... Your ladies have long hair, and they, and they wear skirts. And, you're, and I said, hold, hold on. I said, just so we're clear. I said, I believe that God loves everyone, no matter how they look, no matter how they dress. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. How they work out their salvation with God, that's not my deal. My deal is to help them in that walk with God. 
I did tell him, I said, listen, I said, this altar area, that's a special area. There is more required of somebody who's gonna be on the platform than there is in a pew. It's just the way it is. I said, but let me, I told him, I said, let me give you an example. And this was several years ago in our church. There was a gentleman who came in and uh, it was on a Wednesday night and we came, I and my wife came and uh, one of the ushers said, hey, there's a, there's a guy that wants to talk to your wife. I'm like, oh, all right. Sounds good. And a uh, gentleman came out and uh, had hair about down to his rear end, corn rolls, and looked very similar to a Rapala. For those of you that don't fish, that's a lure. <laughs> Many hooks. And um, my wife was a little, a little taken aback, but the gentleman came up to her and he said, um, I'm, I'm your uh, half-brother. My name's Jeff. And they were reunited, and, and Jeff started telling the story, and he said, you know, I, he's actually from Sheboygan Falls, and he said, I, you know, I was told that you were just an awful person, and that you went to this church that was kind of like, you know, a cult, and you guys were really mean to other people, and um, he said, I walked by the entrance to the church in Sheboygan Falls, which is, is pastored by um, Brother John David Putnam. And he said, I walked by on a Wednesday night and I heard the music and somebody asked me to come in. And I came in and I just loved it. It was great. Ended up being filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, and it didn't matter how I looked. And it was a real important thing for me you know, because I think, and I'm just being real blunt with you this morning. I think you're used to that at this point. Um, I think, you know, several years ago, that would have been, that would have been an issue. Um, because there were some people that would say that when you come into the church, you need to change. And I told this gentleman that I was talking to the other day, I said, listen, I said, there's... There's whack jobs in every church you go to. There just is. There will be people in this church that will tell you you, don't, you do not belong here. Ladies, they will tell you you do not belong here if you cut your hair or if you wear pants or if you do this or you do that. Guys, you got your own issues. Let me tell you something, and I, I speak for all the pastoral staff. I don't care where you're at in your walk with God. I just care that you have a walk with God. And I know that if you keep walking with God and you follow his direction, God will take care of you just like he's taking care of me. Now, eventually, you know, we got a picture from Jeff. This was probably, oh, I want to say nine months later. We got a picture from Jeff. And Jeff had cut all of his hair off to a nice cropped cut, uh, no lures in, and became one of the youth ministers at Sheboygan Falls Church. Now many people would tell you that when he walked by, probably wasn't the guy to invite in. I am very careful 
now. It wasn't so much in the past, but to not judge people by how they look. Because if it wasn't for him, we could all be that way and look and appear that way to someone else. I'll tell you, I loathe wearing ties. Hate it. It's one of the problems I have with preaching is I gotta wear a tie and then throw on a suit coat. It's very difficult for me. Because it's one of those things that just is kind of thrust upon me. Now we maybe look odd to those people. I mean, who walks around in a suit and tie? Unless it's, you know, you're going to an important business meeting. We can be picked apart by each other no matter where we are in our walk or in our life. But we have to keep in mind, as Christians, no matter how someone looks, it's him that's in control. And they're a valuable part of this body. That's what the Bible says. See, the good thing is we're not in control of who does and who does not make it to heaven. But we do know the rules. See, there's another thing you can control, and that's where you spend eternity. God gave us free will. He gave us a choice of what path we want to take. And it is our will that will determine whether we spend it in heaven or in hell. You've not been predestined. You have been given a choice. Let me disprove predestination to you. The Bible says that God would that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. Now, if that's the case, we would all be going to heaven. That, however, is not the case. You have a choice. God would, again, that none would perish. So, the rules. Matthew 16 and verse 18 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys, or the rules, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So who was given the keys? Peter. And when Peter was asked about those keys, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter, who has the keys, and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, here's the keys, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls, and they continued, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers." Pretty simple set of rules. 
repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For many years, people thought that if we looked a certain way and we dressed a certain way and you showed up to church on the days you were supposed to, that meant you were saved. I would say that's more traditional. But the apostles even told us how we were to be set apart. In John, it says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Love. It's not just love for others that will get you to heaven though. There are keys, there are rules, there are requirements. Luckily, we do not decide what those rules are. They're God's rules. God has decided what they are. This is his kingdom. We want to inhabit it. It's his presence we want to live in. There are requirements, and he is the judge. But in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Some people want to take a portion of the Bible and control it. And they say, okay, you know what? This is the part we like. If we believe on Jesus Christ, we're saved. That's one part of it. There's rules, there's keys, and there's different elements. See, it's, it's important to believe, because if you don't believe, how can you repent? Why would you be baptized if you don't believe? Why would you love other people if you don't believe in God? And why would you follow his commandments? does start with belief, but there's also many other parts to the rules to get you there. And here's the thing, you don't control any of them. He does. Control. Again, many of us think we want it. Many of us think we could handle it. And in many cases do a better job. The problems in our lives most often come about because we have taken control. I speak from experience on this. You know, I've tried to take control of things myself. And I've preached about that in some other, some other messages about trusting God. But I have to constantly be reminded, I'm a slow learner evidently, that the more I give to God, the less I have to carry. And the less likely it'll get screwed up. Because when I make the decisions, again, most often, it's not the correct one. That's why I make it very important and a very primary purpose or part of my daily routine to consult God about what he wants from my life. See, some people feel like they can control these things. Well, I need to control my nerves. How do I control it? Well, you know what? Just give me a cigarette. 
That'll calm my nerves. Or maybe I need to forget about what's going on for a while and I will control it with some alcohol. Others may think I need an escape. So maybe a couple of lines will help me through this spot. Or maybe my spouse isn't meeting my needs, so I'll just take a peek this one time. Because I can control it. I know what I'm doing. I am in control. 1 Thessalonians, and this is an NIV version. I didn't give this to you. I apologize. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Control your own body. Let's be honest. It says the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. But usually you think it before you say it. Out of the depths of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when I look at this, I believe that we have a lot of people in society and even in the church today that are trying to take control of these things in their lives. We have his recovery. The reason that you see so many people going to his recovery is because they have something they're dealing with, something that they took control of at one point. I have family members that took control. Didn't work out so well. Things that I've tried to take control of doesn't work out so well. It's truly amazing to me how quickly that when we take control, we are out of control. Let's look at even raising kids. You know, when they're younger, you can control them a little bit. You can dictate to them where they're going to go, when they're going to be there, all of that fun stuff. But you can't really control when they get older. At least I've found it. Maybe I'm a bad parent. I don't know. Maybe I could take some lessons from you and we can work on it together. But you can teach an example. What you teach them will oftentimes determine their future, not their present. Proverbs 22 says this in verse 6. It says, train up, in the, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he's old. Well, that's not soon enough, God. This is my kid. And at this point, I just want to give them a firm kick in the tuchus and get them out of here at this point because they're annoying me. They're out of control. They're out of my control. I need them to be right right now, so I'm going to show them who's in control. Some of us Think, and when I was the principal of the church, or the school, oh my goodness, I'd run into this all the time. These kids should never do anything wrong because they're in, they're in church. And I'd have parents come and say, I can't believe that there's church kids that are doing these things. And I'd have to sit there and say, they're still kids. 
They're still going to make decisions. They're still going to make poor decisions. Just because they come here doesn't mean we put a halo on them and everything's good. They're still kids. So just because they come to church doesn't mean they're not going to make mistakes. And you get some parents that will say, well, you know, you're making me look bad. This makes me look like a bad parent. It's not how it should be. Let me talk for a second to blended families, of which I have one. You do your best to show them the love of God. There's still rules, and you pray for them. Should they be in church? Yes. Are they going to come all the time? No. Show them what's important and pray that they get it. Because if you force them and you try and show who's in control, eventually it'll lead to rebellion. And if you don't have a blended family, do me a favor, don't judge. You can encourage all you want, but don't judge. Because it's a tough road and each situation is unique in itself. When you realize that things are best left in God's control and not your own, you can feel the weight that you put on your shoulders come off. I'll make you a promise today that whatever you came in with, whatever burdens you're carrying, if you will bring it to this altar and truly leave it here with God and let him take control of your life, you'll leave this place feeling better than you have in a long time. But you have to leave it here. See, we don't have control even when we think we have control. We can make things more difficult, no doubt about that. We can even affect nature in some ways. You know, if you, if you take out enough trees or you have enough forest fires and all this wonderful stuff, when the rain comes and you've removed everything that's holding it in place, you could have a mudslide. If you're drilling into the earth's core and you're removing things and there's faults, you may have issues. But we don't ultimately control. We can assist in some things. But that doesn't mean we're in control. You want to get a a clear understanding of how little control we have? Sit in a doctor's office. Try and get into the doctor's office. That's its own battle. You have to sit there. I'm always amazed. It doesn't even matter if you go to the emergency room. It's like going back to being a child in school. You're going to sit there. And I'll call you when I'm ready. Seinfeld had this thing where he talked about, you know, you get into the first waiting room, and then you get into the second waiting room. And it always irritates me when I'm in the second waiting room, because I'm like, well, at least out there I had a decent magazine to look at. Now you brought me in here and I got home and garden. What am I supposed to do for the next 20 minutes? Because I know he's not coming by me anytime soon. You flip that little thing over there, he just knows that he's got plenty of time. He's dealing with all the real, pe- real sick people. Have no control. But sit in that doctor's office and let him tell you that you have cancer. 
or a terminal disease, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Well, we can try and find a cure, but we don't have it right now. So we're sorry, but it doesn't look good for you. How much control do you have? Ask Pastor Rick Kiley. No control. Pastor Schmaltz, no control. Bruce O'Hearn, Marge Franklin. And she'd be the first person to tell you that too. Just like she did when we had a prayer meeting here. No control. I don't have it. What can we do as human beings? We can pray. We can understand that God is still in control. I couldn't cure my dad of cancer. My dad couldn't cure his dad of cancer. My mom could not cure her sister of cancer. But God could, if he chose. And it's up to him, because it's his rules. And it's his plan. And it's his design. And what can happen when you pray? Well, I'm, I'm happy to tell you I'm going to drop this in just because I think it, well, he's not here and it fits my message anyway. So, Brother O'Hearn called my dad the other day. Brother O'Hearn has been going through chemo and radiation treatment. Went into the doctor the other day for his exam. And he said, you know, I have, I think it's 10 patients that I'm working with right now. He said, we just did your, your scan, and we're happy to tell you that you're cancer-free. We can't find it. He's in control. Again, I don't know how he chooses and what he chooses but I know that he's got it under control. We're not in control, so why do we keep trying to be in control? We take all the burdens of the world and throw them on our shoulders and think somehow we're going to fix it. I'm going to play a a clip here, a a YouTube video um, that I found the other day, and uh, we're going to hope it works there's a buffering issue or whatever, we'll, we'll cancel it out. But we think we're going to fix things. We get dragged down, we get depressed, and we take it out on those around us. And it kind of makes me wonder, if we took this attitude, how much easier our life would be? Control. What would happen if we would just allow God to be in control of everything in our lives? Why do we wait until it goes so far gone before we realize we have lost control? You saw a clip on there with people fighting over bills, financial issues. We have a a course called Financial Peace University 
uses godly principles to deal with debt and to maintain your finances. God has the answers. We may not always like them. You can control your spending. That's a good thing. But what if we allowed God to determine how much he wants us to make, where he wants us to work, and trusting that with God all things are possible? I'm feeling a little stressed. Well, I'm going to go take a walk and pray and ask God to deal with this. I've had a rough day and I just want to forget it. Instead of grabbing the bottle, you grab the good book. Turn to the book of Job. You'll find out how just how easy your life really is. Life is getting overwhelming. Bills are piling up. Make an altar and let God control. Your spouse isn't meeting your needs. Give them a hug and tell them how much they mean to you. And pray for yourself to be a better spouse and ask God to bring you closer together. How about my job? You know what I do with my job? I start every day with prayer. And then I go and work hard. I pray. This is what I pray. That God opens doors and shows me which ones to walk through. Whatever doors he closes, I'll walk away from him. I used to try and beat him down because I thought it was the better way to go. But I've learned. I'm not going to try and break it down, God, if you don't want me to go down that path. If you don't want me to go through that door, I'm going to walk away. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. If you don't think God knows where you're at, 
you're wrong. God knows exactly where you're at. And God knows exactly what you need. From food to clothing, he knows what you need. What you really need to do is let him take control. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things that you need, they'll be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When I was praying back in the office before I came out here, I want to tell you what I believe. I believe that there are a variety of people here that have been carrying burdens that they don't need to be carrying for way too long. Things that have been stressing out your home life can affect you even physically, mentally, and emotionally. Because you're carrying around something that you cannot handle. You want to be in control of it, and you believe that you can do it on your own. You can keep trying. You can keep putting in the effort. Or you can realize that he is in control. And that if you give it to him, you don't have to carry it anymore. Would you stand with me? This morning as we open this altar, if you've come here carrying a burden, I want to encourage you to leave it here today. If you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized in Jesus' name, I want to encourage you to come to this altar and ask God to take control of your life. To remove the sin from your life and fill you with his spirit. To be baptized in Jesus' name. So all that the sins that you've committed, that you're carrying, can be left here and be washed away. If you've been carrying around something that you shouldn't be carrying, leave it here and let God be in full control of your life. And when Monday morning comes, make sure you don't pick it up where you left it, but give it to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the price that you paid. I thank you for taking our burdens upon your life. Lord, we keep trying to carry some things, Lord, that you've already paid the price for. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.